this morning, I'd like us to open up our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 28, and I'm going to share with you um, about your seventh value that's on your website. You have seven values that guide your church, and your seventh one that I saw on your website was to seek the good of the city. And we find that in Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, but before we get to Jeremiah chapter 29, we want to look at Jeremiah chapter 28 to see the freight train that's coming from uh, Jeremiah chapter 28 that really brings context to Jeremiah chapter 29. Um, so if you want to know a little bit about what we're doing, I'm not going to take much time to talk about that. I've put in your, your chat channel, um, our website, ywmsfbayarea.com. Um, we are a movement of a variety of ministries spread across the metroplex of the hyper-diverse San Francisco Bay Area that's focusing on a variety of context. Um, we have many different ministries going on, whether it's to the Afghan Muslims or to the uh, Berkeley University Chinese PhD uh, people that are coming for sabbaticals to study there or um, to the upper class Italian neighborhood or to the low income homeless neighborhood of the Tenderloin. Um, we're spread across the city. We see the city kind of as our base and the diverse of it where we express God's heart to it. Uh, so you can see it on our website there, ywmsfbayarea.com. Um, and it's always a joy to have Allison and Dan come out and visit us. They've been such a help. They've really engaged in our mission and have brought professionalism and expertise. And missions desperately needs that. Um, Allison has helped me to get connected with the tech world. Um, and just seeing how they're now engaging with us in bringing professionalism into the mission world. It, it enhances what God has called us to do. So Jeremiah chapter 28, uh, let's get some context uh, to this uh, tremendous story. This is like a, a, a drama that we're reading about um, in the Old Testament. And um, it's, it's just an incredible drama uh, between two prophets. And uh, this is not a story um, about the atheists versus the believers. This is not a story about the Hindus versus the Jews. Um, this is a story of two mega church pastors <laughs> um, that are saying two different things to the Jewish people that are in captivity um, in Babylon and in Jerusalem. The, it's taking place in the city of Jerusalem, but they're uh, communicating to the exiles in Babylon through uh, ancient day uh, text messaging services. Um, and so what's being said in Jerusalem is being taken over to Babylon. And um, the, the uh, large portion of the Jews have been taken into exile in captivity by the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar of the pagan city Babylon. 
and they're holding them in captivity, and they've left a remnant behind in the heavenly city of Jerusalem. And so Hananiah and Jeremiah are having two different messages in the city of Jerusalem, and that message is being broadcasted um, by ancient day text message services to the exiles in Babylon. So in verse 1, uh, of 28, Jeremiah chapter 28, it says in the fifth month, and you, you want to note that, in the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur, who was from Gibeon, said to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, this is what the Lord, the almighty God of Israel says. Now listen to what he says. This is Hananiah speaking here. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now watch this. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. You need to understand that prior to this, Jeremiah had been prophesying. Um, not only to Israel, but to all the kingdoms of the ancient Near East at that time. Uh, submit to Nebuchadnezzar. Um, he will rule you. Uh, he told the Israelites, you'll be 70 years in captivity. So this message coming from Hananiah was um, a shocker to the Israelites. Uh, they were like, whoa, <laughs> you know, Jeremiah's been telling 70 years. Uh, you cut it to two. Maybe we've had good behavior, and the Lord is rewarding us, and he's going to deliver us um, from this place. Um, and so, you know, this, this uh, message sounded like really good news. And who cannot resist good news in the midst of a pandemic or in the midst of captivity? And the, the Jews that were sitting in Jerusalem and in Babylon, uh, their ears were being perked up to this new message that they're, they're, being, they're, they're hearing. And so uh, now you got to remember, Jeremiah had this word prior to this word that they were going to be in captivity for 70 years. And he was wearing a yoke on his shoulders when Hananiah was giving this prophecy. And that yoke was um, the prophetic drama or prophetic imagery that the Jews were going to be in captivity for a long time. And Jeremiah is standing there with this yoke and the previous word of the Lord that he had and he's listening to the respected Hananiah giving a counter word. And we skip down to verse 6 and uh, or verse 5. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, amen. <laughs> May the Lord do so. So Jeremiah you know, what a man of, of tremendous security. He wasn't, you know, he could have lashed out and said, you know, you're denying what the Lord has said through me. How dare you speak against what God has told me? But he was like, well, you know, I'm just listening to what God says. And maybe God is saying something new here. 
Amen. May the Lord do so. I don't want to wish any um, bad things upon God's people. Um, and so Jeremiah, you know, says, may the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. And then verses 7 and, and through 9, he, he you know, gives the, gives the true mark of a prophet that his words must come true. And then verse 10, the drama gets really intense here. Uh, then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, and he broke it in front of the people. Wow, this is better than Netflix. Um, you know, this, this drama is getting real, real, really, really intense here. Um, and he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says. In the same way, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. Now, watch what it says here. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. Well, Jeremiah was like, well, maybe this is what God is doing. It's not what he told me. He told me that, that they're going to be stuck for 70 years here in this wicked pagan sinful, hedonistic, beautiful city of New York, of Babylon. <laughs> you see that? And the Jews were like, no, we got to get out of this place and get back to our heavenly Jerusalem. Verse 12, after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, here it comes now, watch it. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place, you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him, and I will give him control over the wild animals. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, the prophet, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. Yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to remove you from the face of the earth this very year. Now, remember verse 1. He's speaking in the fifth month of that year. I am about to remove you from the face of the earth this very year. You are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. Verse 17, in the seventh month of that same year, in other words, two months later, Hananiah the prophet died. So get the context here. The Jews were still puzzled after this drama. Who do we believe? Do we believe the good news? Of Hananiah, or do we believe this bad news of Jeremiah? Uh, now, you know, this is this is a, a, a really interesting scripture that's going on here, and and I want you to understand the context of this passage even more. This is taking place in Jerusalem, while the exiles are in captivity in Babylon on the banks of the Kabar River. Now, we know that they're on the banks of the Kabar River uh, because 
the, uh, Psalms chapter 137, um, and let me just put that up here for you. Uh, let me see here. So here in Psalms chapter 137, I hope you can see it. It says, by the banks of the river, by the, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And, and here's what they said. How can we sing the song of the Lord in a foreign land? Well, here's the point, guys. You know, when we read Jeremiah chapter 28, and then we go over to Jeremiah chapter uh, 29, just turn over to 29 now, and it, it continues on. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, just uh, you go to verse 4. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. So, you know, there's a lot of information coming here at us. And um, first of all, the Lord carried them into exile. And when the Jews probably read this, they were like, what do you mean carried us here? Nebuchadnezzar dragged us by our beards in chains to this place. They were there because of the punishment of their sins. But God is speaking to them. Now, listen closely. I want you to get this. God is speaking to them and saying, yes, you are there because of the punishment of your sins. But don't you forget you are on mission even when you're being punished because of your sins. <laughs> now, I want you to get this point this morning. The point I'm driving here this morning is you don't have to be perfect to be on mission. <laughs> you are on mission if you are a Christian with all of your imperfections. Verse 5, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that two may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Now, they're on the banks of the river Babylon. In the, in the the Probably in the community called Tel Abib which was about 50 miles southeast of Babylon in a place called Nippur. And they were probably most likely in temporary shelters. Why? Especially when they heard this prophetic word from Hananiah, within two years, I'm bringing you back. They were like, well, why settle down? Why, why, why put our roots in this place? And they most likely they were living in coconut shack um, huts or underneath palm trees or in temporary housing structures. And they're sitting by the banks of the river, Psalms 137, verse 4, Sing us one of the songs of Zion, said their tormentors. 
How can we sing the song of the Lord in a foreign land? Well, listen, that is the role <laughs> of the Christian, to sing the song of the Lord in a foreign land. Now, this morning, I'm not just talking about the foreign lands overseas. I'm talking about where you live and where you work which may be a foreign place to you because you don't necessarily like where you are. <laughs> well, there's so much going on here in this text. Uh, they're, they're on the banks of the river. They're in temporary housing. They're not slaves. You know, normally in ancient Near Eastern culture, the, the, when the enemy cap captures you, they would do two, one of two things to you. Number one, they would, they would either make you a slave, which they're not. We don't see that here. They're living on the banks of the river Babylon. They're free people. They're not slaves. Or number two, your enemy would exterminate you. Well, that's not happening. The, the Babylonians were a progressive culture. <laughs> sophisticated they were doing something new they said let's not enslave them let's not exterminate them let's assimilate them in other words let's bring them to the beautiful Babylon New York City <laughs> and our values our food our culture our our architecture, our goodness, our greatness will overwhelm them and they will become Babylonian. We will conquer them for greater is our culture than their culture. Now, Jeremiah, you see, this, this you got to understand this. This is very powerful. Hananiah is saying within two years, I'm going to break the yoke. And, and, and the Jews were like, yeah, let's get out of this place. It's wicked. It's tempting. It's horrible. Let's go back to the beautiful confines of our four walls of our community, Christian community, where we feel safe and comfortable. And Jeremiah is like he's on the state rolls of King Nebuchadnezzar. Because the, the, the Babylonians are saying, come into the city. And Jeremiah is saying, yes, go into the city. But Jeremiah is not singing the same song that the Babylonians are singing. They're singing, come into the city and we'll conquer you. Jeremiah is saying, go into the city for God is with you. And we see this, of course, lived out through Daniel, where he becomes the advisor to the king of Babylon. <laughs> And he keeps his Jewishness and his alights, or Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And we see it throughout the Old Testament, the story of the captivity, where they did shrink back from their unique spiritual identity, but they, and they didn't assimilate, but they incarnated. This is the, the message of Christmas I'm giving to you. They incarnated into the darkness. And they let their light shine. Tim Keller from New York City, he gives us three 
takeaways from this passage. He says the Babylonians wanted them to move into the city and lose their spiritual identity. Come into the city and take on its values and be assimilated by it. This is what happens to the liberal church. Tim Keller goes on and gives us the second point. He says, the false prophets wanted them to wait on the Kabar River and wait for the deliverance, to stain the city and keep their spiritual identity. This is the response of the conservative church. <laughs> and we have this problem in YWAM. We, we build these big YWAM training centers and isolate ourselves oftentimes where we get in the Christian community and we train, train, and train. And it's a, it's a wonderful greenhouse. But we're not mixing in to the warp and woof of society. There's something about living in the city and being in the place of darkness that slaps us in the face every morning and tests our spiritual realities. It's good for us. Keller goes on and he gives us the last point. He says, God tells them, move into the city, but keep your spiritual identity and serve it out of that unique spiritual identity. Isn't that powerful? Uh, I, you know, if you want to hear Keller talk on this, uh, you just Google Jeremiah chapter 29 on YouTube, Tim Keller. And he does it in 10 minutes. And I, I, I'd encourage you to do that this week as a refresher from what I'm saying. And, of course, Tim Keller is speaking right from New York City. Um, so he knows the realities that you guys are facing as young families trying to balance children and family and work and, and then being on mission in Babylon. Oh man, what a challenge. And in the midst of a pandemic, um, you know, as I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself right here this morning. <laughs> this is not easy stuff. This is not easy, easy stuff, but this is what God calls us to do. He calls us move into where should Christians be? Christians should be in darkness. Christians should be in darkness, not internally, externally. Listen to what I'm going to say. The people of God bring the presence of God first to themselves every day in their personal devotional lives where they, they, they breathe in the breath of God. Then they take that bread and that breath and they bring it to a broken world around them, and they give it freely. Christians should be in the darkness. God says to the Jews who are living on the banks of the Kabar River, seek the peace. Seek the peace of the city. Build houses. So I want to give you two points as I close up this morning. Number one, in Jeremiah chapter 29, God says in verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Number one, get a vision for where you are. 
Get a vision for where you are. Whether it's at your workplace, which I know you're all doing by Zoom right now. <laughs> so hard to get a vision when you're on Zoom. <laughs> so I'm getting Zoomed out. <laughs> or your neighborhood. Get a vision for where you are. Embrace it. Love it. You cannot love what you do not know. I challenge people. I was at I was at one of my uh, friends' uh, workplace in at Cisco here in San Francisco. He got a new job at Cisco, and he said, "How do I how do I be on mission at Cisco?" And I said, "Can I come and have lunch with you at Cisco?" And I had lunch with them at Cisco, and I said, "Can you give me a tour of Cisco?" And he walked me around Cisco, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is a city in itself." And I told him, I said, start prayer walking, Cisco. Just come a little bit early to Cisco. What about your neighborhoods? What a wonderful time for prayer walking right now. I was just yesterday on, on TED Talks and listening to a guy from Vienna talking not about prayer walking, but about the value of walking in your neighborhood with your eyes open. And he gave many tips he gave many tips, not about prayer walking, but about opening your senses to feel the context around you. As Christians, we need to be in love with where we work and with where we live. Number two. So number one, get a vision for your get a vision for your place. Get a vision, get a get a vision for your place. And then, and then number 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 two. Number two. Engage it. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. <sighs> Engage it, engage it, engage it. And I, I'm going to give you, as I close here, some practical tips. And, and um, just give you some practical tips. And uh, maybe my wife will share something. I'm running out of time here a little bit. But uh, some practical suggestions. Number one, prayer walk, prayer walk. I love what Phil Busby no longer alive. He was a pastor at First Baptist Church here in San Francisco. He said, talk to God about the people before you talk to the people about God. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Prayer walk. And then um, just make friends. Make friends. A fellow, fellowship with them. Uh, fellowship with them. Um, you know, this guy that I, I watched on TED Talks the other day, he talked He talked about just walking through your neighborhood and uh, being aware. And uh, then maybe even just talking and meeting people with social distancing and your mask on <laughs> um, and engaging with them a little bit. Um, 
I'm going to put in the chat channel here for you. Let's see here if I can get to it. Um, some uh, a link to one of our ministries called Love Your Neighbor. And they have videos. I think it's on this one here. I just put it in there. They have 45-second videos on ideas for loving your neighbor. And they've been doing it during the pandemic. Um, they told us yesterday, right, Carol? Um, they told us yesterday that they had Thanksgiving dinner. They cooked the Thanksgiving dinner. And they uh, informed all their neighbors that they were cooking Thanksgiving dinner. And they put it in boxes and uh, so people could pick it up at their doorstep <laughs> in their neighborhood. And then they all, they, they told their neighbors, uh, we'll all eat together on Zoom. <laughs> and so they celebrated Thanksgiving together on Zoom as neighbors. And they're just coming up with all sorts of ideas. During the beginning of the pandemic, where everybody was rushing for toilet paper, they put a little chair out in front of their apartment and they put free toilet paper rolls for anybody to pick up um, along with chocolate, which was kind of uh, ironic, toilet paper and chocolate. <laughs> and uh, it was so famous, it made it into the local neighborhood newspaper. Um, and they're just coming up with all sorts of ideas. Um, so fellowship, fellowship with them. Um, you know, and, and the next one here is meet their practical needs, take care of their needs. Uh, this is what I'm already talking about. And then the last point as I close is proclaim the good news. Um, so I'm just going to get close with that. I was going to have my wife share, but I don't want to prolong the time. I've already taken more time than what I'm supposed to. Um, but I want to leave that with you during this pandemic that we're going through. Um, you know, when you think about New York City, reaching the whole city, how are we going to do it? Well, let's not think about the whole city. Let's just think about where we are. <laughs> where we work and where we live. And I know that we're not all evangelists. Um, I'm not. Evangelism is, doesn't come easy to me. Um, and, but let's give God the opportunity to say, Lord, here I am. And let's start with something simple, whether it's just prayer walking or just connecting with people, or doing some of these things that are 45 second, 40 second videos that are on YouTube that Marcus and Jen have. Um, they did a seminar yesterday um, on Love Your Neighbor where they shared these ideas. They're gonna be doing another one in the future. Uh, you can get on their YouTube channel and get in touch with them. Um, they're writing a book right now called Love Your Neighbor. But, Let's seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which God has sent us into exile. But let's not just think big picture. Let's come way down to where we live and to where we work and ask God, how are we to be on mission? Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing through them. Lord, as they balance the complexities of raising children um, the school system not being in operations, balancing their schedules, and then beyond that, trying to be on mission. Lord, let it come naturally, and that they would find their unique places, no matter how small they are. And we remember what Mother Teresa said.
we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. We cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Lord, I pray that for myself. I need that. Pray that for all of us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.